Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. As always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always a good time, even during a pandemic, to end your hard day with a nice, cold, frothy Labatt Blue. And remember, we ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. With that said, this is episode 155, and I'm really happy to welcome from The Athletic, Max Boltman. He's the uh, he's a writer for The Athletic, but he covers the Red Wings. I've gotten to know Max uh, the last couple of years. Uh, great young man. Uh, always wears a tie to Red Wing games, which is, uh, which is essential for uh, the, that good, clean, professional look. So let's uh, welcome Max into the show. Hey, Max, thanks for joining us on the Red and White Authority. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Art. I don't know if I can claim a tie for every game, but I certainly... Uh, I certainly try to wear one when I can. Well, you know, and, and it's a good look on you. Very, very, very nice look for you. Max, before we get into it, and I really want to uh, uh, talk uh, today about a uh, uh, a survey that you asked readers or subscribers uh, 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 questions about the upcoming Red Wing season. There were, uh, I believe, 17 of them. And uh, you published the results yesterday. I read the story. I actually, I, I've got to be honest, I partook in the uh, in, in the survey too. The right. results are really, really interesting. So I want to, that's what we're going to really focus on today. But before that, I know you're from Grand Rapids. Uh, how did you get involved in sports writing? Why don't you tell the uh, our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I am from Grand Rapids and I went to the University of Michigan. And so basically the way I got into sports writing is, you know, they send you the new student edition of the Michigan Daily when you are about to go to like orientation or, or maybe when school is about to start. And I thought it was really cool. The year that I was uh, was a high school senior was the year that Trey Burke hit the shot against Kansas in the NCAA tournament. And I thought it was really cool that, you know, some students had gotten to go and, and cover that game and you could see that in the new student edition. And so I thought, oh, that, that, that sounds really cool. You know, I was obviously, I liked sports a lot growing up. Um, and so I, I sent an email to Greg Garno, was the summer managing sports editor at the time, and uh, asked him how I could join. He kind of gave me a, 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 you know, a little walkthrough of what it would entail. And then I don't think I did it right away, but maybe a week or two into the school year, I think I stopped by for one of the Sunday meetings and uh, it was great. I, I liked it. I, I think at my first uh, event that I shadowed was a Michigan men's soccer game at, at Oakland, which was really fun to go on the road and cover a game. Um, and then, yeah, I, I covered uh, Michigan softball and Carol Hutchins my freshman year. Uh, I covered the men's basketball team as a sophomore. Uh, and then the football team, my juniors and senior years. And I've, I've actually been thinking about lately how funny it is that I spent four years at Michigan at a time when Dylan Larkin, Zach Wierenski, Kyle Connor all would have come through. And I didn't, I, I, I did cover a few games just in spot work of the Michigan hockey team, but I never did a full season on the Michigan hockey beat. Uh, and, and now I find that pretty funny considering um, I'm covering the Red Wings and, and, and Dylan is certainly... You know, player just, of the Red Wings, and I, I almost covered him in college, too. <laughs> well, just, just to make it clear, though, so you didn't grow up in Grand Rapids with your wet burrito and watching sports all the time and just dreaming of being a sports writer. Uh, I did not dream of it, per se, uh, but I also, my mom sent me this thing the other day I thought was kind of funny. It was just these little, like, things I would write off the back of, like, you know, like trading cards about, about different athletes. I thought that was pretty funny that I apparently had been doing that. So I always loved sports, but no, I, I did not uh, enter college thinking I was going to be a sports writer. 
it just kind of happened over time at the daily and and i i loved it you graduate from michigan uh where does your career take you before the athletic i was an intern at the pittsburgh post gazette after i graduated so my my, after my senior year, and I was covering all kinds of different stuff that, that interns do, right? So a little bit of Steelers training camp was really fun, but also you would cover, like, um, I even did a, I, I, I don't think I actually ever finished it. I think the player may have retired before I got to finish it, um, but I was doing a feature on one of the independent league baseball players from around that area. There was, I'm sure there was some college stuff. I didn't do a ton of Penguins when I was in Pittsburgh. I would have done a lot of baseball, so a lot of Pirates, um, and stuff in that vein. But um, yeah, so so it was just a little bit of everything. And then I ended up at The Athletic because that was right when The Athletic launched in Detroit. Um, that was Craig Custins who launched it, along with Katie Strang here. And so I came back freelancing basically on Michigan football because that was the most recent beat I had had when I was in college. Um, and so I did some stories there. Uh, I, I ended up getting hired on full-time as a general assignment writer. And Craig Custance at one point just to kind of ask me if I wanted to do some Red Wing stuff and I, I really enjoyed it. So um, that kind of stuck and that's been my beat full time for the last two seasons going into season three here, hopefully very soon. Um, and I'm having a really good time with it. Right. Well, you do you do a terrific job. And, you know, um, it, it obviously is a subscription service, the uh, uh, the athletic, uh, but they're always running great deals. And I, I mean, it's well worth it. Uh, I, I kind of. um Harken back to the days when I was a little kid and uh, uh, subscribed to, uh, my parents got me a subscription to Sports Illustrated. First Sports Illustrated I ever got, Max, you probably don't even know who this ball player is, but was Ron Santo was on the cover. He played third base for the Chicago Cubs. He's a big name uh, back then. And it, what, what I like about the athletic and, and, and SI back then is it's more like expose kind of writing. Uh, you know, you, you do a lot of features and, and, and things and, and get to the crux of it, really good hardcore news uh, 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 reporting. I mean, it's it's just a, a cornucopia of, of terrific journalism. So uh, I, I, uh, I encourage everyone, uh, as I said, always look for the deals. It always seems that, you know, uh, Art Van isn't around anymore, but Art Van always had a sale, you know, the athletic always has something going on too, you know. I mean, so <laughs> so uh, yeah. But 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 I highly I highly highly recommend it. Uh, I just think uh, you know really good quality uh, uh, stuff coming out of the athletic. Now, with that said, let's talk about this survey. It is uh, it's seventeen questions. Uh, the thing that I like most about it is that the questions that you ask, and you had almost. Um, what was it? 1,200 subscribers actually respond, which is a really good and high number. Uh, uh, with all, all that said, how did you come up with it? Because I not only do I like the questions, but the responses that they had to choose from were pretty well thought out. And I think it really, based on the way you guys presented it and put it together, really, I think you got a true representation of where the fans are coming from. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for all the kind words that you said about uh, the company and, and, and the work. I really appreciate that. But um, as for the survey, it's actually funny you say that because I, I think in, in in the comments, one of the big pieces of feedback I got was that like two of the first three questions, people didn't necessarily know what I meant with the question. <laughs> they want, they thought I was asking something a little different than I was. But um, outside of those couple, I do think that it, it got at a pretty good sample of, uh, of, of where fans are at on, on the Red Wings. And, and we tried to cover... 
a lot of ground. I mean, we had done a fan survey earlier this offseason, right when the pandemic hit on kind of the state of the franchise. But um, even though there hasn't been a game since then, I feel like a lot has changed, like between the offseason and Steve Eiserman goes out and he signs five players and he trades for Mark Stahl in a second round pick. They draft Lucas Raymond and like 10 other guys, 11 other guys in that draft class. Um, and now here we are on the verge, again, knock on wood, hopefully, uh, of, an, of another season. And so I thought, you know, writers around our network really have, have started kind of taking the temperature of the fan base again. And I thought that made a lot of sense. So, so that's what we did. And we kind of started with the off season and, and, and what fans thought of the free agent signings. And then we got into more of, of what people expect of, of this season. And there's a couple of results to me that really stood out, including uh, one of the questions was, was which off season move people liked the best and, and the leading answer there with about 30% of the vote out of, you know, I think there were six options was the trade from Mark Stahl in the 2020 second round pick. And I thought that paired well with, uh, the, I think it was like question 10 or 11, which which asked if the Red Wings make another move, what would they like to see? 80% Art wanted to see another trade that involved uh, the Red Wings getting a draft pick for taking on a contract. So I thought that was really revealing about what fans thought about that trade in the first place back in September and what fans want to see if there's any other moves the rest of the way. Right. Now, I would look at that, and you're right. It was questioned actually five on the survey. Uh, you know, best offseason move, 29.8% of the fans said the Mark Stahl deal, uh, followed by 19.3% said Thomas Grice. And then Troy Stetcher checked yeah. in at number three at 17.2%. And what I find interesting about that is not that the and, uh, Nemetsikoff or Ryan weren't part of it. I mean, they were, but they were further down. I when I took this survey, and I'm not going to reveal everything that I did, but I thought it was Thomas Grice <laughs> as far as their their biggest acquisition. I know the draft pick was Stahl, which was a, and I've said this before, a brilliant move on Steve's part. But I mean, I I can't help but think that Grice is the most essential addition to the Red Wings. But then again, I'm a bit of a goaltending freak. Well, it's interesting because I, I think you can definitely make that case, and I think when you look at the Red Wings like uh, most obvious uh, holes coming into the offseason, goaltender was the one that jumped off the page because, you know, it looked like Jimmy Howard wasn't going to be re-signed, and obviously he wasn't. Um, and so obviously you got to have someone to play with Jonathan Bernier. So it doesn't surprise me that Grice, you know, slotted in there pretty high up among the the potential answers. But I also think uh, what I one of the themes I got out of the feedback from this survey was how much Red Wings fans really are looking toward the future at all times, even when, you know, I think I think every fan base wants to see success, you know, as soon as possible. But I, I really think Red Wings fans are looking ahead. And so they look at what what the, uh, the the draft pick and the stall trade was and they say that's something that can help when this team is, is really in position again, potentially. Um, and that's how I took it. That's why I think that may have been the leading answer. But I think you're right in terms of highest impact next season. It probably is Thomas Grice. Although I do think Troy Stetcher is going to be a top four defenseman for them this season. Um, but that's kind of how I interpreted those results. Right. Well, I, I, I actually understand where you're coming from. I think if I had to sum up the survey, and then I want to get into some of the individual questions here, uh, but uh, but I'm glad that we're getting a bit of an overview before we really hone in on it, um, is that I would say realistic would be the one word that I would use to describe the results of this as a whole. I don't know what word you would choose, Max, but mine would be realistic, obviously meaning that the fan base has a real 
realistic expectation of what is expected from this club. Yeah, I think I'd probably go with patient, but I don't think that's too far off because right. I think the realistic expectation is it's going to take some patience. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I definitely agree. All right. Let's get into it a little bit here. Um, the first question was free agent signing. Um, you had uh, 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 1,174 people responded to it. Overwhelmingly, it was just, you know, what did you think of the free agent signings by the Red Wings? 36.6% um, gave it an eight and a majority were seven and plus. It was a scale from one to 10. Uh uh, again, I mean, obviously the Red Wing fans like what they see. That uh, what see the the free agents that are coming in and Nemetsikov, Ryan, the uh, Stetcher, uh, Grice, and uh, we always forget uh, Michigan's own John Merrill. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this one it jumped out to me because I don't know that I was expecting it to be quite this high. I, I thought that they made a, a lot of good signings this off season, um, particularly in in the ability to get good helpful players on short-term deals that weren't going to to create any you know flexibility problems down the line but yeah you're right it, it was kind of a resounding response to the free agent signings um you know you mentioned that many above a seven but really above an eight it's it's over 60 percent almost two-thirds uh we're, we're giving it an eight or better and so I think that that speaks to what, what you and I were both talking about in terms of realism and patience uh, about when matters, because I don't think you'd see quite those grades um, if this were like a cup team necessarily that needed to, to be over the top. Although, I again, I do think there's some players here that are going to really help them next year. But I think that it's more the contracts that people maybe are responding to because it's not going to limit them really at all. No. Well, right. I mean, I, I I think you're absolutely right about that. I mean, we're going to agree a lot uh, today here, Max. Uh, I just want the audience to realize that. But uh, <laughs> your, your second question was, uh, uh, now with the addition of Nemetsikov and Bobby Ryan, what is your confidence in the forward core? Again, 31.2% gave it a six, which was the highest. That was based on 1,180 responses. Um, again, I think that's a realistic expectation. I mean, the forwards, there's some high-end guys on this team, as we know, and we 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 know what the top line of, of Larkin, Mantha, and, and Bertuzzi is. You add in a couple of good guys, and depending on where Bobby Ryan, uh, how he rebounds from, uh, if he has like – you know, 25, 30 goal season, but I wasn't, uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, and, you know, and again, I don't want to sound redundant here and I know I am, but, um, I look at 31.2%, give it a six out of a scale of 10. And I'm thinking, you know, they, uh, you know, these fans know what they're doing. They actually study it. And I think six is a real fair, uh, for a majority of people to rate it. I think six is fair, um, but this is one of the ones that uh, I talked about at the beginning, where number two and number three on the survey, which were basically just after the additions, how confident are you in the forwards and the defense? Um, these were the ones that fans thought I was asking relative to last year, and I'm asking relative to the NHL. How, how good do you think this group is going to be going into this season? So I do think uh, both the responses in this question and the next one are a little higher than maybe fans intended, just be based on the, the comments that I got on the story. Um, but that said, you know, I, I think the way, the, with the moves they made, they did take real steps forward toward being able to put competitive groups at both of these positions out there on a night-to-night -night basis. I mean, you're looking at 
um, you know, the, the, the change from last year to this year, when you bring in Nemesnikov and Bobby Ryan, those are two guys that are no doubt going to be in the Red Wings top nine. They might both be in the Red Wings top six. Right. Well, you know, I, you know, now I understand that. I mean, we're talking about a team that won 17 games last year yeah. and you're asking him, well, where does their forward core uh, rate? And in, in terms of the, in, in terms of the entire NHL, six is pretty high for that group. I, I agree. Get, Cause that get, would be above average, right? Right, right. Exactly. That is, that is above average. I mean, if they're a solid five, I'd be, I, I would think that they made significant improvement, but uh, uh, from that aspect, I, I, again, I completely agree with you with that said, let's go to number three, which is confidence in the defense with Stetcher, Merrill and Stahl being added uh, again, a little bit lower, but the highest number was in a, scale of 1 to 10, 24.4% did say 6 out of, uh, again, 1,180 responses. So based on that and where that defense was last year, I could see if fans had that mindset that we just talked about, I could see where they would say 6 overall in the whole um, uh, scope of the NHL. Probably, again, 6 might be a little too high. I agree. And I think the other thing that like, maybe in this question is interesting to think about is Danny DeKaiser, potentially, we'll see, but potentially seems like he should be back for this season. Um, and that's kind of a, an, another addition to the ones that, that are listed, you know, or that, that the Red Wings right. came out and signed in free agency. One of their top two defensemen who basically didn't play at all last year. So he's another one who comes back into the picture, potentially. I agree. I think six is too high relative to the NHL. But... Um, you also kind of have to bake into your expectations here for a fan base. Every fan base is going to give their own team a little higher marks. I think you just have to expect that and factor it in when, when you go into um, analyzing the results. So um, you didn't have too many 8, 9, 10, or, or even really 7. And I think that speaks to kind of like the realism that you mentioned earlier. But yeah, I, I do think it's a little high, but we'll see. And I think in, in Merrill and Stetcher, they, they brought in two guys who have the potential to, to make a a significant impact for him pretty early. Right. Well, I, I want to say Danny has been a guest uh, several times on this podcast. Uh, I recent we recently had him on now now a couple of months ago, but everything kind of blends into one big long day lately. Right. Uh, but but with that said, he, he you know he says he's one hundred percent. He said he's ready to go. Uh, you know he was allowed during this pandemic to actually uh, you know see Red Wing doctors because he was an injured player and his rehab has gone very very well. And he would be a crucial addition. Only played eight games last year. You know Max, I I want to tell you something about realistic expectations and and why I'm coming from this years ago. Um, I never, ever during my talk or sports talk radio career ever wanted to ask people to make trades. However, the, uh, the, the old ice time show that I used to do, which was a hockey show, um, uh, you know, was two hours on like Monday nights or whatever, but the week of the trade deadline, I would always do a segment called you're the GM. Yeah. So, and people could call up and, and propose trades to me. So, I, I, you know, and I'm always hesitant to do this because you get a lot of slappies that want to, you know, that, that, you know, obviously are going to do trades. They're the Red Wings and they're going to be really weighted. This is the first trade I ever received on this. And that's why when I say six is pretty realistic or where I'm kind of coming from to let everyone know is that first call was, is yeah, Hey, uh, Art, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, uh, you know, Ken Holland or whomever was the GM at the time, it could have been, uh, uh, I, I, I'm Ken Holland and, uh, I'm, uh, 
or Brian Murray. It was probably Brian Murray. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, they, they, they were the Red Wings. And then I was Craig Patrick, who was the general manager of the Penguins back yeah. then. And uh, they said, I would like to, uh, uh, you know, a couple of our uh, minor league prospects. And back then there weren't many. Uh, and Tim Taylor for Yarmir Yager. That, that's the trade I would propose. And then I'm I would have to, like, through. veto that. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. know, and I'm looking at it. And, and you know, I'd say, uh, you're serious. And, you know, in, in all honesty, I think he was. I mean, I think he really thought, and nothing against Tim Taylor, who, you know, had a wonderful career, uh, you know, and a, 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 a nice player in his own right. But he's not Yarmer Yager. And then a couple of Red Wing draft prospects, not picks, but prospects. And so, you know, I had to veto that trade. And, you know, then we started. And as soon as we go to break, I look at my producer and I go, see, that's why I never want to do you are the GM. That's why I never want fans to, you know, tell me what kind of trades because they're never, very rarely do they make sense. You know, they're, they're you know, maybe it's changed now. Maybe the uh, fan base has gotten a little more sophisticated, but uh, I will not, uh, uh, I'll never forget that. Two, two prospects. We, we, we do something like that, too. We do a mailbag, uh, <laughs> a, a, a who says no mailbag around the trade deadline every year, and we let people submit them in, and I tell them which team would say no. It's usually almost every single proposal somebody says no. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. right. You know, I mean, you know, you, you, you've got your own credibility at that point to think about. Um, uh, you, you know, uh, question four was confidence in the goaltenders with the addition of Grice uh, as far as a tandem, uh, Grice and Bernier. I'm not surprised by this one, unfortunately, based on the season that Jimmy Howard had, and we wish him the best and hope he uh, uh, catches on with the team very, very soon. Um, but out of uh, 1,178 responses, uh, seven checked in at 31.6%. I am not, again, surprised by that. It kind of makes sense. You know, Thomas uh, Grice uh, and Bernier together, uh, I, I think it's a significant upgrade in goal for the for, for the Red Wings. It's a good tandem, and it's a it's two guys who are used to not playing um, every like every single night, and I think that's going to serve them well. Is that you're not going to have I don't I don't expect at least um, any major tension on someone thinking like oh I'm supposed to be the number one. Why is why are these games getting split? Because it seems like the NHL is trending more and more toward splitting the workload up and you, and you know, you've seen Bernier last year did take the reins at, at some point. Um, and so maybe, I don't know, you know, who knows, but um, I think if they split the, the starts, then they're going to have a, a really solid tandem. Now, is it top 10 in the league? I don't think so, but um, I think that they're going to be solid in goal. And that's really important because, you know, as we talk about these position groups ahead of them, you also got to have the safety net, and, and you certainly don't want to put everything on the goalie. Certainly, not every goal that goes in is a goalie's fault. Right. But having that safety net to be able to withstand a mistake or two is is crucial, and and you can't win without that. No, there, there, no doubt. I mean, I I really think that uh, obviously the number one offseason move was to uh, was to get another goaltender. It was pretty apparent. Uh, and, you know, and I hate to say this because yeah, I've covered Jimmy his whole career, but you know, it was pretty apparent that uh, you know his days as a Red Wing were pretty much numbered uh, at the end of the season. And so uh, to, to, to get Thomas Grice, who was the goaltender I always thought, I don't know why, no inside information, uh, but you know, I thought that he would be the probably the best fit for Detroit, especially where the team's at. I think sometimes when we look at this, you have to remember that these players all have options, and where the Red Wings are at right now, which player 
do you think might look at Detroit as a viable opportunity? And, you know, and I thought that when Grice looked at it and the money that the Red Wings were probably willing to offer him, uh, that Detroit made the most fit, uh, most sense for him. Uh, uh, question five was the best offseason move. We covered that. The Mark Stahl trade, 29.8%, followed by the addition of Grice at 19.3 and Troy Stetcher at 17.2. Um, uh, question six was rate the 2020 draft class. This one... I was I was really surprised because I thought maybe this is a where a little bit for lack of a better term and I don't mean this in a derogatory way uh, <laughs> that maybe a little bit of the slappiness went in or the hopeful side of uh, most Red Wing fans uh, but when you look at it uh, uh, and this is the class obviously Lucas Raymond and the Red Wings draft was rated very very high let me just say that but forty two point three percent rated it an eight that is really a pretty impressive number. Yeah, and and twenty percent more gave it a nine or a ten. Um, <laughs> right, right, so, right. Like you said, really high marks there, and and really, if I'm honest, it's an unfair question. None of us can truly rate this draft class for at least a couple years. Um, but if I had to guess why this was the result from the fan base, I think it starts with Lucas Raymond, and I think he is he is a really uh, strong high-end prospect uh, with the potential to play at the top of the Red Wings lineup um, before too long. Um, but I also think the sheer volume of picks they made has to be a factor in that. When you look at you know their second-round picks, William Wallander, Theodore Niederbach, uh, and, and Cross Hannes, the third-round picks, Emil Vero, Donovan Sabrango, Sam Stang and was the fourth round pick, and I think he's already got four goals in eight games at Wisconsin. Uh, the, just the sheer volume and number of picks they made in those early rounds, I think, get people excited because it gives you a little bit of margin for error. You don't need all those guys to hit. In fact, you can have half of them miss, um, or or maybe even a little more than half, and and still be able to come out of a draft with, you know, three NHL players potentially. Is I would consider for most teams, a win if you can do that. And so the sheer number of picks, I think, actually plays a part in that. Um, But obviously, I do think there's some excitement for some of these prospects. Raymond off to a nice start in the SHL. Niederbach got his first uh, goal in the SHL um, just before we're recording this here on Saturday. So um, I think it's it's a mix of the volume and the players themselves, because uh, the prospects themselves, I should say, because obviously we don't know what they're going to look like as players um, as, as they develop for a couple of years yet. You know, I keep saying this, and I know fans are going to say, don't say it again, because I've said it ad nauseum already. <laughs> but when uh, uh, Lucas Raymond uh, was drafted and Steve Eiserman said he has the potential to be an elite level forward in this league, I've known Steve long enough to know that he doesn't really throw that kind of yeah. stuff around a lot. So uh, uh, obviously, I know we were all disappointed uh, with that, you know, absurd draft lottery thing that they had this year. Uh, but uh, getting Lucas Raymond at fourth is uh, is a nice little consolation prize, I would imagine. Well, you know, the, the lottery is the lottery. And I, I, I've written in the past that if you want to pin your hopes on the lottery, this is this is the risk that you run because it's not designed for the last place team to win. It's designed for the last place team to not get the first pick more than 80% of the time. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a the design of the lottery, really, truly. I don't think it's designed to help the last place team, unless you're Toronto and Austin Matthews is available. Well, it's changed, hasn't it? Didn't they <laughs> yeah, lower I think the weight? I, I think, I think it has. I, I just have to zing Leaf fans. I just have to. So uh, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, but uh, then question seven, which is kind of a lead into what we were saying, uh, rate the prospects pool, uh, uh, which is. Uh, 
Uh, 37.7% gave the, the Red Wings current prospect pool an 8. 35.1% gave it a 7. And then 11% gave it a 9. So obviously majority loves it. And, and real quickly, uh, we are doing this, as Max said, on Saturday on December 5th. Last night I watched Notre Dame and Arizona State hockey game. And a guy that I forgot about who is playing for Arizona State, who was an absolute stud for the Sun Devils last night, was Ryan O'Reilly, uh, who had a couple of goals. I mean, so there definitely does seem to be talent here. And again, I, I think people are looking towards the future. Um, the 38 uh, or 37.7% gave it an eight. But then if you look from seven, eight, nine, I mean, you know, you, you're over well over like 80% of these people love the Red Wing prospects. Yeah, I think the I think that's that's the result I take out of it too. Now you always have to wonder who are fans counting as a prospect because I didn't go through and specify. You know how how would you rate a prospect pool that includes these specific players? So do we know if they're including Philip Zadina in the prospect pool? Whereas you or I might say he's not a prospect; he's an NHL player. He's on the NHL um, roster. But yeah, I think I think it goes back to the same thing. It's 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 the blend of some high quality players, your Lucas Raymonds and your Moritz Siders, who are you know really strong headliners for any farm system in the NHL, and then just sheer numbers and volume. They've had double digit or close to double digit picks, and it seems like the last three drafts. And so you've got your guys like your Jonathan Bergeron, who's having his breakout year, your Albert Johansson, who who's playing really well in the SHL, and some of the guys we just mentioned in this most recent class. You know, you combine all those things up together, Joe Valeno, um, and, and then you've got the blend of, of the high-end players and the depth. Now, I still think they need a couple more of the elite high-end players. I think one at center and one at D seems like, you know, as, as this rebuild rolls on, you're going to need more. Those positions are the most important positions on the ice, in my opinion, um, at, uh, in addition to the obvious goaltender, which you can't win without. But um, you, you just can't find a number one center and a number one defenseman um, really anywhere but the draft. And the, I think the Red Wings have a, a number one center in Dylan Larkin. But what you find is these teams that win the Stanley Cup, they got two, right? They, they got right. Right. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen, for example. Um, Tampa had Braden Point, Anthony Sorelli. Stamkos didn't play, but they had him waiting in the wings, right? So you find that these teams that win, they have two of those guys. And so I think that's where the, the, the prospect pool stands to gain. But I think in terms of depth, I, I do think there, there's really good depth starting to, to develop here in the farm system. Right. Certainly. I agree with you. I mean, look no further than the Red Wing great teams of the past. I mean, right. their center core was Iserman and Fedorov. And I mean, they were 1A and 1B, if you want to look at it that way. Then you throw into the mix uh, Igor Larionov, who is obviously an immortal of the game himself. And then Chris Draper. I mean, you know, yeah. you've got to be strong up the middle. I agree. And, and you, you just talked about, you know, Iser, you have an Iserman and Fedorov. That's going to give you a chance in any series. And so I think you, you just look for you, you bolster that position as much as possible. And you got to be strong on the blue line because it becomes so important in playoff hockey. And so um, I think they have good depth at those positions. And you look at Valeno and Michael Rasmussen and um, a guy like Niederbach. Um, and, and they've got some guys who, who may even develop out of the later rounds in, into kind of interesting pieces. You look at someone like an Ethan Phillips at BU. And I wonder what he can become as he puts on more weight. But um you got to have those high end guys. And I think those are the positions as this thing rolls along that I think those are the areas they're going to need to add really uh, more elite players. Right. No, there's no question. They definitely, uh, they really do need 
uh, a, a, a superstar or two at this point. And I'm not knocking, obviously, Dylan is on the cusp of, uh, of being an elite player. I just got the Hockey News yearbook uh, sent to me, and they had the top 50 uh, uh, players in the league, Nathan McKinnon, number one. And unfortunately, a Red Wing did not make their top 50 list. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I thought that at least uh, Dylan and perhaps Anthony Mantha could be among that lower third in the top 50. But then again, that might be the uh, slappy fan and me showing at this point. Um, you know, your next question, Max, and I want you to be honest with me. This seems to be a question where maybe Max was going, wanted to go up to Craig Custis and uh, maybe angle for a European vacation or something saying, look, look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. Uh, your eighth question was closely following the European prospects. Are you, and, and this was a, and this is what I like about the answers is that, you gave answers not as, you know, are you following them more now uh, because so many Red Wing prospects yeah. are playing in Europe? And, uh, you know, you can probably give the answers, but 38.2% said they're following some of them and more than usual. Um, yeah. Again, which I think states that what we've been saying is that fans are engaged at the potential of this team. Well, first of all, I've been very public in lobbying Craig Cussens to send me to Sweden, but it's not for a vacation. It's because there really are, what, four of their top five or six prospects right now right. Are over there playing in Sweden. Like, you know, that's where the action is. So, yeah, that's where I want to be. That's I want to be getting to work here. I've been in my in my house for nine months, Art. Like, let's get me to... Let's get me to Rogland for Lunda a little bit game so I can get to get going on this stuff. I'm sick of doing everything on the phone. I've been very public about that. But yeah, no, I, th I think you're right. And I think uh, I, I think that th that the interest has has gone up for two reasons. One, the number of prospects over there. And two, the NHL is not playing right now. And, you know, you know as well as I do that hockey fans are as devoted as it gets in sports fandom, they are going to find the hockey wherever it's being played, even if it's in a time zone with a six-hour difference that plays half its games at 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So, yeah, I, I think those two factors, the number of high-level Red Wings prospects over in Europe, and, and you can also really lump, I know we just said they're not prospects, but Philip Zadina and Philip Peronik playing in the Czech Republic, Michael Rasmussen playing in Austria, um, those guys who we expect to be at training camp you know, there's something to follow there too in Europe, and so I think it, it's sort of just the the blend of those factors, the number of, of players and prospects over there, and the fact that Red Wings fans, uh, like every hockey fan, I imagine, are dying for something to follow here with hockey. Right. With, well, without question. I mean, I watched Notre Dame Arizona State right. last night. You <laughs> there know? you go. I mean, that, that tells you everything. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, that's all you need to know. Uh, you know, I mean, Michigan, I'll watch all the time, but you know, but if I'm watching the Fighting Irish and the Sun Devils. Uh, you know that I'm jonesing for hockey. Um, I, I, and I want to say, I, I, I can't put words in his mouth, but Jeff Blaschel was uh, our headliner on the Word on Woodward show that I co-host with Daniela Bruce and, and Carly Johnston. And I sort of said to him, I said, well, you know, the Phils, Heronik and uh, uh, Zadina and Rasmussen, those guys aren't in Sweden. They don't have to stay there the year. They're coming back for training camp. And Jeff Blaschel nodded yes. So... Yeah. 
I am, I'm, you know, so yeah, you're right. They're definitely going to be back. Uh, let's go into the question nine, which again is, a, you know, I, I, and I like the way you spaced out the answers here, uh, but for time constraints, I, I can't read all the options people That's had fine. to choose from, but yep. uh, prospects, uh, st uh, what prospects start in Europe you're most excited about? I'm not surprised by this one. 48% said Jonathan Berggren, and then 34.2% said Mo Sider, but there certainly are a lot of guys in Europe who are performing very well. And a guy that we forget about uh, that I always is Matthias Bromia, uh, signed a little older, 25 years old, maybe a late bloomer. He also is doing pretty well in the SHL. He is. And you just have to ask yourself, is he a prospect or is he, you know, a little older than that? Because at that at 25, right. you know, you're not a huge runway anymore left, but you're right. And and all of these guys that we're mentioning are in the SHL, which is a really strong league. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. No big surprise that it's Bergeron leading the way there. He's at, I think, 23 points in 20 games after today. He had another assist today. Right. I, you know, he, you know, he, he is also a guy that now that he's healthy, uh, when the Red Wings drafted him, I can remember his draft year. Um, they were going to take him with the 30th overall pick, uh, which meant he would have gone in the first round. And but Joe Valeno fell to them at 30. That was the same year, uh, 2000. What 18 uh, with uh, Philip Zadina was the sixth overall pick. Once Valeno fell to them, they definitely took him. But they were able to get Bergman with I think the 33rd pick overall, and then Jared McIsaac I think at 36. I, I remember that draft, and I know I've said this a lot too. But the Red Wings thought that they they got four legitimate first round picks, even though two of them were uh, granted early second round picks. So uh, that might be a draft to to really keep uh, uh, really keep an eye on. And, and what can you say about Mo Sider? I mean, every everything that is thrown his way, and Max, I know that we actually talked about this on the Word on Woodward as well. I mean, he just seems to take on all comers, if that makes sense. I mean, he just seems to be one of those players that um, could really develop into a special player. Yeah, I mean, since since the moment he was drafted, really, there's I have yet to hear really many bad uh, or, or critical things said about Moritz other than questioning how much offense is he going to have. And I think that's a really fair question when you look at the style of game he plays. It's not in the Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr style, really, of someone who's going to be this dynamic offensive facilitator. Um, but in so many other aspects of the game, he's a rock defensively. He'll get the puck moving up ice. He's physical. We talked about on, on the word on Woodward, uh, the game at the prospect tournament, Kirby Doc, where it was just these two top six picks, these giant dudes at 6'3 to 6'5", um, going at each other physically. In, in It was either the first or second game of the prospect tournament. They wasted no time in, in showing that they were going to be physical guys. Um, and so, yeah, I think Moritz does keep answering a, a lot of questions. That offensive one is going to be the one that I'm not going to feel ready to, to answer until you see him in the NHL. Um, but he's, he just shows every sign that he, he looks like he's going to be able to hold his own in the NHL whenever he gets there. And then when that happens, we'll see how, how good a player he can be. Well, right, and it depends on who his defensive partner is, too. I mean, uh, Tomisto's pretty good offensively, and uh, uh, yeah, and I think he's probably eventually going to end up making the Red Wings or uh, even uh, Will Onder, who they drafted this year, who is, uh, you know, obviously has uh, offensive gifts, uh, so to speak. Uh, question 10, uh, which, <laughs> which again, uh, uh, is the grade for the offseason – 
51.7% of the fan base that responded out of uh, uh, 1,179 responses gave it a B. And then 44.4% gave the Red Wings offseason an A. Obviously, uh, we're now into uh, 90 uh, <laughs> 95% territory. So yeah. the Red Wing fans like what the Red Wings did this offseason. Yeah, and, and A was a little high for me because I think to get the A, you got to make the spectacular move. And and maybe maybe the spectacular move is coming. I don't know. But um, I, I think B makes a lot of sense for, for two reasons. One, he made the team, they made the team better, right? They, they got Bobby Ryan, Vladislav Domestikov, Troy Stetcher, John Merrill, Thomas Grice, um, and even Mark Stahl potentially could, could be a factor for the Red Wings next season. Now, Stahl in recent years has has slipped, his play has slipped. He's not the player that he used to be. And so right. who knows what his role is going to look like um, and, and, and how much he'll help. But especially some of those younger guys they brought in and, and Bobby Ryan's veteran presence, um, uh, on the ice too, I, I do think they made the team better. And the other reason I, I think that, th- that this move is worthy of, of a beer or so um, is because it didn't sacrifice anything that's going to affect them in the future. They got all these guys for just dollars. And and that's something that, you know, it's Chris Illich's money, not my money. So I guess far be it from me to say they're, they're, they're the easiest thing to give up. But um, when, you're, when you're an NHL franchise, that is the easiest thing to give up rather than draft picks or prospects or, or even long-term uh, space on your cap sheet. So they got these guys on short-term deals. They got them for just money uh, and cap space. And, and to me, you don't lose really anything by taking those swings and you get better doing it. Um, that it's a, it's a nice off season. I'm not ready to say it was above and beyond that to me is what the A is, but it's a nice off season. Well, I will say this, that the, uh, um, a, as you said, I think whether you're a sports fan or part of the sports media, we're more than willing to spend the owner's money. That's and, right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's that, you know, that's the fun part of the job. It's just, uh, it's not our, bu- it's not our bread, but, uh, uh, question 11, we already talked about movie like, uh, uh, to see more of, which would be another like Mark Stahl trade, uh, bring in trade for a draft pick uh, from a, uh, a cap strats team. Uh, question 12, um, the, did the offseason change the timeline for contention? Did this move the Red Wings timeline up? And again, 63.8% said uh, it didn't, uh, as opposed to 35.6% said it might have moved it up slightly. Again, realistic fan base here. Uh, these are nice moves. The Red Wings are going to be better on the ice. Are they going to jump leaps and bounds? Probably not. I, I think I think realistic is the exact right word for that because I think it, it, you could have seen a world where people said, oh, wow, now they got a couple young good players in Domestikov and Stetcher, and, and that checks off two of the boxes, and, and now they'll make the playoffs a year earlier. And I don't think that's uh, – I don't think that would have been, would have been accurate or, or would have been realistic at least – um, I think these are moves that are made for for the right now and, and for getting the Red Wings through this rebuild. And maybe those guys do stick around and, and help out and be contributors. I'm not going to rule that out or say they can't or even shouldn't. But I just don't think inherently, especially when you're looking at all one- and two-year deals, anything really changed the timeline here. And about two-thirds of Red Wings fans uh, agree with that, and, and I think you're right that that's realistic. It is definitely realistic. Question 13, Wings MVP this season. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I would assume that it would have come, came down to two players. I was actually a little bit surprised at actually who quote unquote won this competition of two, um, uh, with a 45.7%. The fans feel the MVP this upcoming season for the Red Wings will be Anthony Mantha. 
I affectionately know him as the BT Express, the Big Tony Express, followed closely by Dylan Larkin at 41%. Uh, Dylan Larkin, uh, I think everyone's expecting him. And again, I don't have inside information on this, but to eventually be named captain this season uh, when, when the season does eventually start. Uh, then uh, Philip Hronick and uh, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi did get some uh, mention as well. But obviously, Max, no surprise here with, uh, with Manthan Larkin uh, uh, being the fans' choice for uh, MVP this season. Yeah, I, I agree. No surprise between those two. I, I I think there's something to what you're saying about maybe being a little surprised that it, that Dylan didn't come out ahead. But these were the two I think that were always going to end up in the top two spots. A pretty good chance Mantha's the leading scorer if he's able to stay healthy for the full season. I mean, he was on that kind of pace when healthy last season. But as you know, like you know, we talked about Dylan and and why he's a number one centerman. And, and and has you know is is a is a key piece to what the Red Wings are building here, is because he gives you so much that that maybe isn't points or assists or, or goals or anything like that too. Like he's he's a heart and soul guy. He he can kill penalties. He can play every situation. He can play against opponents' top lines. Anthony Mantha does a lot of that too, playing on Dylan's line. So he plays against tough competition. And and if you look at kind of underlying stuff, has some good you know defensive metrics as well. I see Dylan as kind of this this all around two way. Um, winning, as, as Jeff Blaschel puts it, player. I think that's an accurate description of him. And so I think either of these two guys would have made sense. Fan base is split within about 5% uh, there, and, and they, they give Manta the lean. Um, he just signed his new deal, and, and so, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the leading scorer. So so this maybe doesn't shouldn't surprise uh, us either. You know, Anthony Mantha, uh, uh, Big Tony, the BT Express, he's a very emotional player. And I don't know if you can strap in those emotions because it might take away from his game. But I think you're absolutely right. He is definitely a complete player. He can pass. He can do it all. And I think the one good thing about, and not the good thing with having an all-Canadian division in this weird season that we're about to approach, is that he will not see Jake Muzzin, so he'll probably stay healthy. Because I think if Jake Muzzin is is going to meet uh, Mr. Mantha on the ice sooner or later, based on a play that happened in Toronto on the 22nd of December 2019, but we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, but uh, that at least is my feeling about that. Uh, is that you know, I, and Mantha's getting older. You know, as they get older, they they tend to calm down. He knows that he's more valuable to the Red Wings, obviously on the ice, than he is off the ice. Um, I think though that he is. Uh, uh, you know, again, I'm not surprised by that. Uh, and I guess I'm not surprised by uh, question 14 as well. The Wings breakout player this upcoming season, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, 72.8% said Philip Zadina. I think that even though it took him a while, he had some growing pains after he was drafted, spent that year in the AHL. It looked like he was starting to round into a legitimate NHL score last season uh, before he got hurt, Max. So 78, 72.8%. I couldn't agree more with these fans. I think it's a, it's a completely fair uh, response. I think it's it's probably the most likely as well. I mean, Phil Peronic got some votes um, and I guess you can make the argument, but also this is a guy who played 25 minutes a night last year. Like how much more breaking out? I mean, you could maybe, maybe have a, a little better, like plus minus or, or expected goals share, but he's a guy who scored at a half point per game rate and played 24 minutes a night last year. I don't even know if that would be qualify as a breakout for Hironic anymore. I mean, he's, he's just a top pair defenseman, right? 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't even. I don't look at him as a rookie or as a breakout. If anything, I think the Red Wings and why they made some of these moves on the defensive core and with Danny DeKaiser coming back, I think they want him to play less minutes this upcoming season than more. I mean, I think that they thought at times, you know, the poor kid was just. Uh, you know, just out there, you know, going on fumes. And so, uh, I mean, I guess it, if he breaks out, yeah. he breaks out with less ice time than he averaged last season. That's that, at least that's my feeling, which, which is absolutely more than possible to, to, to do. Um, you're, uh, I think you're right. That makes a lot of sense. That, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, you ask a young guy to, to play that kind of workload, it, it's hard to keep kind of that same uh, efficiency and, came en- and same energy, whereas Zadina, you know, and, and so so that certainly could be it for Hironic, whereas Zadina, you're looking at him to, to get more ice time and, and play in more prominent roles um, and, and then obviously keep up what he showed toward the end of the year, which which was the ability to be a, a really impactful NHL player as both a shooter and a passer. So I, I, 72% say Zadina. I, 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 I don't disagree. No, I don't either. Now, the 15th question is uh, one that uh, <laughs> uh, has created a lot of angst, I think, all over because people are kind of wondering what the heck was going on here. But you asked the fans to rate the retro jersey on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being uh, you're not so good, 10 being excellent, uh, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly. almost half of the respondents out of 1,172 subscribers to the athletic responding to this question uh, gave it a one. Yeah. And this was not a surprise. If if you've, if you've been on Twitter, not a lot of fans uh, were wild about this Jersey. I'm actually not really that big of a Jersey guy. Like it's not something that I think about a whole lot. Um, But you know, I think the, the common response to this, this Jersey that, you know, every NHL team got one. They they took a, an old jersey and they kind of flipped something about the color scheme or an old design and, and tweaked something about it. Um, I, I think a lot of people think it looks like a practice jersey. And I, I think that if you look at what the Red Wings practice jerseys look like, it's not that different from that. So, I, I you know, this this result didn't surprise me. I think when you look at some of the ones from around the league, like I thought the, the Avalanches Nordiques throwbacks are gorgeous. I think the LA Kings throwbacks are gorgeous. Um, and, and bold as well. And so, uh, you know, they're, I think the reverse retros uh, are getting knocked for being rather simple and, 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 and a little boring. I think that uh, uh, that the Red Wings and the Maple Leafs are the only two professional sports teams. Maybe there are others that just have a two-color scheme, um, that their home uniforms and their, and their road uniforms are red and white or blue and white, depending on what team you play for. I think the iconic logo, the winged wheel, there's not much that you can really change or dress this uniform up. I know that they have in the past. Um, I will say this about the retro jersey. And Max, you'll remember this, and I actually talked to Dylan Larkin about this. Remember Michigan, you know, they've played a lot of outdoor games, but remember that outdoor game where they were wearing that all-white uniform? I don't know if you remember or not, but Michigan was dressed all in white and it was a, you know, it was kind of a stark look and, you know, and I wasn't so sure that I liked it. So I went up to Dylan after a practice or something. I said, Hey man, did you, yeah. Cause I know he watches them and you know, when he can. And I said, Hey, did you watch the Michigan game? He goes, Oh yeah. I go, those white uniforms, man, they weren't doing it for me. And he loved them. He he absolutely loved them. So this is what I'm going to say about the retro Jersey. Let's see it as an ensemble. Let's see what they do with it because I'm under the impression if you if the Red Wings are if it's all white 
even almost I'm almost as far as to go with a white helmet with um, with the silver kind of um, accents along the way with just hints of red because the red quest crest is really going to uh, the wind wheel will really stand out. I think that actually it might be a pretty sweet look for the Red Wings. I really do think that. It all depends on how it's accessorized. Do I do I sound like a fashion maven there, Max? Uh, I don't know if you agree with that or not. I, I think many have called you a fashion maven over the years. Well, that's true. You can I I know, but uh, that <laughs> that's what that's what I'm looking for. I think because there isn't much on the sleeves or on the shoulders, I think that that's where fans kind of lose it. It's a lot of white, and yeah. uh, uh, but but then again, you know, and what I've always liked about all Detroit teams, except when the Pistons went to the the teal and multicolors and the flaming horses head and all that kind of stuff, you know, they're basically very very traditional colors color schemes very traditional they 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 hold true to their traditions and and I kind of like that I really do like that so I'm not as uh bummed out by the retro jersey as as a lot of fans seem to be um uh then uh, uh question 16 uh expected finish this year for the Red Wings you gave choices of of bottom 5 and Maybe, you know, okay, better, but not making the playoffs or contention and all that. Uh, but again, uh, you know, I tip my cap to uh, the athletic subscribers, the people who uh, responded to this question. 76.5% of the fan base, as I think hopeful as they are or realistic as they are uh, and as patient as they are, but 76.5% said the Red Wings are going to finish in the bottom five. Yeah, and I mean, you look at where the standings were at last year, and they weren't just in 31st place. They were in 31st place by like 20 standings points, maybe a little bit more than that. So it's a big hole to climb out of. Now, I do think, like we've talked about, they made a bunch of additions that are going to help them do that. I think they're going to be a better team than last year. No question in my mind they will be. But how far does that get you? I mean, you look at who the bottom five teams were last year. You had Detroit, Ottawa, San Jose. LA, I don't know if it was New Jersey or Anaheim that was up next, but but generally that order, right? I think it might have been Anaheim, you know. Yeah, and I think you that's know, still the, the tier of teams that they're playing in. Right. And you know, you, we talked about some of these moves that they made, Mark Stahl, uh, you know, maybe even Bobby Ryan. I mean, some of these guys could also be moved at the trade deadline. Uh, and, and and acquire more picks. And, and and I think fans are almost expecting Steve to continue to make moves kind of of that nature, as again, as, as we've already addressed. So I don't think if they're better and more competitive, and I believe depending on the amount of games that they're going to end up playing, which we can talk about in a few seconds here, um, is that you know if they're better than a 17-win team, whether you have to prorate it or not, um, I, I think fans are 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 more than willing to, uh, you know, hey, it's a bottom five finish. They are what they are, but we see hope in the future. So I wasn't surprised by that. And then you wrap it up here, Max, with a great question. Year to make the playoffs. When will they, you know, be, make the playoffs? When will they be in contention again? 59.8% said 2023 followed by 20.1% said 2024. Almost 80% of the fan base believes the team is still at least a couple of years away. Yeah, and this goes back to those those first two words you and I use at the beginning, patient and realistic. You know, I, I think 2023, that's what I see you know, kind of a, a, a nice potential window opening up for them. Um, could it happen one year earlier or one year later? 
maybe, you know, but I think 2022, 23 is where I see it opening. Um, and, and almost 60% of Red Wings fans are, are right there too. And so you look at the young players they have now, your Dylan Larkin and your Anthony Manta, though, I would say those are kind of your stars right now. And then obviously the rest of your core, Philip Zadina, Philip Hironic, Tyler Bertuzzi, you're going to complement those guys in the coming years, um, w- with guys like Raymond and Sider and, and Valeno and who are making their debuts, Michael Rasmussen, um, and and then that's where you really start, I think, to see a window open. And, and you can look at teams in the past, like Vancouver, who made the playoffs this year with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. I'm not saying anybody that the Red Wings have right now is, is, is one of those two players. But you see when those young guys make the league and there's some already established players on the team who are still young but have become veterans, this would be maybe your Bo Horvat, your JT Miller, your Brock Besser, if we're going to use the Vancouver example – you want to have some of those key players in place when your young players, your high draft picks, get there. And and I think the Red Wings have some really good young players in place. You know, headlined by Larkin and Mantha and, yeah. and Zadina now. Right, exactly. I, I I again, I know we agree a lot, but 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 <laughs> but I couldn't um, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think the biggest question moving forward. Um, into the future, a couple of years from now, when Red Wing fans expect them, 2023, 2024, um, whenever it is where they're back in contention, is who is going to be their goaltender. I think that that might be the biggest issue as we move forward here, as the roster starts to round, uh, uh, the skaters start to round round itself out, and, and we get a clearer picture of who's in, who's out, so to speak. Uh, I still think in net, long term, who's that player going to be? It's a huge question, and here, here's where, I'll, where I will plug uh, my own podcast here. Prashant Iyer and I do a show called Wings for Breakfast on The Athletic, and this is a talking point kind of constantly because at the risk of getting myself in trouble with the goalie union here, one of the big questions we always talk about is, do you need a franchise goalie who you have for, for 10 years, or can you get by by signing goalies you know, intermittently and shuffling through them because it's a hard position to predict. And you see even in the Red Wings' own system, you know, you might have one guy who seems like he's the top prospect one year, and then the next year you're like, well, who knows? And, and, and it's, it's just a hard position to project. It seems like there's a lot of volatility. And even once you have a really good goaltender, you know, year to year, it's tough to predict if they're going to be, you know, other than those, you know, top five to ten guys who are just so consistent – it can be hard to tell, like, you know, who, who do you bet, you know, your, your, your playoff chances on. And so I agree with you. It's a massive question. It might be the biggest positional question in the entire franchise. But I also think it, in my mind, it, there's a little bit of a question is, is it something that you need to, to go out and spend a top 10 draft pick on a potential franchise goalie on? Or is it something you can get by on in free agency? It's a debate we're having constantly on our show. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, but, um, you know, I agree with you that, that goaltending is one of the biggest questions for the franchise. If you all, all I can say, look at what Carey Price does. Look at what Vasilevsky does. Uh, you know, and you know, Max, we we talk all the time. I mean, I was a big Askarov fan. Yeah, I yeah. I, I was pleading with Steve to take him, and uh, you know, <laughs> of course, he laughed at me. But still, I was still pleading with him. Uh, I I just think it's an essential. I mean, if you have if if you're good in net, it makes everything easier in my book. It just does. I mean, I because he, he's capable of winning a game on his own. And more than one, you know, and 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 winning a, a playoff series too. 
Uh, you know, I mean, I saw Dominic Hasek in 2002 just get better and better and better as the playoffs went right. on, and there was no way that the Red Wings were going to lose that cup. Granted, they had like nine, ten Hall of Famers on the thing, but I mean, but still, I mean, Hasek was the key. He was essential. That's why Ken Holland made that really difficult move of of letting go uh, Chris Osgood, who was like a son to him, uh, and and bringing Hasek in for that job. And, and Ozzy had, you know, performed obviously very, very well for the Red Wings, and then came back. And we and replace. It's weird how things work out. Replaced uh, 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 Hashik in that in that Nashville series and ends up winning the cup uh, uh, in 08 and and comes within a game of winning it in 09. I won't go on an Ozzy tangent here, Max. But uh, um, but with that said, so now I know we we we've talked about this survey. Let's talk a little bit in the remaining few minutes that we have left. And I really do appreciate your time today, Max, because I know that. Uh, you know, you're going to write, but without Michigan playing on this Saturday, the 5th of December, uh, neither one of us have much to do today. Uh, right. So um, with, I, I, I'm kind of curious. I, you know, all kinds of dates now are being bandied about. It looks like January 1st might be out for the start of the NHL season. Maybe now January 15th. Do you have any kind of uh, gut level feeling? And I'm asking you to be a bit of a, a soothsayer here, Max. Uh, what what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I don't know that I have a gut level feeling. I mean, I, I think uh, what I'm going to plan on is sometime in in whether it's late December or early January, seeing some kind of training camp, and then maybe it's mid to late January, maybe it's early February, seeing the start of a season. But I, you know, deep in my gut, I am really hopeful and and think that they're going to play and that um, that there's going to be an NHL season here and. Obviously, the news that you know Pierre LeBron and Elliot Friedman and Frank Saravalli all uh, all were posting just before um, this weekend about the, you know the January fifteen target date with you know fifty two to fifty six games were the reports um, at least the variation in the reports that sounds workable to me and it sounds like if if you can get that in and you can get it done before you know J- July end of July for the Olympics and um, and then you can kind of get things back on track for next season. I, I think that's that seems like a workable plan, but obviously there's still plenty of uncertainty in, in how everything's going to work, navigating um, the virus and the protocols and any potential spikes, and those are all questions. But um, I am hopeful that, that something can happen here because that's certainly, uh, you know, it's it's been long enough in my mind uh, without, uh, without NHL hockey to, to cover. Right, I, I agree. I mean, when you really look at it, by the time the Red Wings may get onto the ice, it'll almost be a full calendar year that they haven't played a game. Uh, you know, which is uh, you know, which is really astounding uh, when you yeah. think about it. So I, I'm eager to see the boys back in the old red and white, and uh, uh, you know, representing the uh, uh, the D as uh, as we like to say. All right, Max, one final question because we're gonna have to have you on again when we get closer to the season starting and all that. But who? is the second line center on the Red Wings. It is a crucial and essential. Actually, not only who's the second line center, what's the second line this year? Make a prediction, Max. It's a million-dollar question. I am going to say Zadina, Nemesnikov, and Bobby Ryan, but I could also see Robbie Fabry in any of those three spots on the second line at center, potentially. I could see him replacing Bobby Ryan. I could see him replacing Zadina on the second line. I could see Robbie Fabry in any of those three positions on line two. I think they keep 
Larkin, Bertuzzi, Mantha together just because of how good a chemistry that trio has. Um, but they also have the option to split them up and, and do some maybe some more balanced lines there because you know you and I both know Art how much they struggled to to get a consistent um, second you know scoring line after those three last year. So they could even split them up. But that's that's my prediction for right now. Zadina, Nemesnikov, and Bobby Ryan. But Robbie Fabry, uh, I think, could play in any of those three spots, and it wouldn't stun me if he does. Right, and I, I think it will be interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I think Fabry is going to get a legitimate shot at second-line center or at, at the position of center. I know he wants to play it. I know a couple of guys that I've talked to uh, you know, think that he's more than capable of playing it. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that shakes out. And Max... For all those people that that sit there and go, well, this Max Boldman guy of the Athletic, what is the Athletic? How can people subscribe? What's going on? I know that there's going to be just you know the the hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this podcast are now going to want to subscribe to the Athletic. What should they do? Well, we'd love to have them. Uh, they can really do it any way. They can click on a story. They can go to the website. But usually there's a deal, a discount. If you want the discount, you can go to www.theathletic.com slash wings for breakfast. That's our podcast link, but there's usually a promo to sign up on it. That'll get you a little discount. You mentioned those discounts are, uh, that's how you can get it. So, so go to that link. It should give you, uh, an option to click uh, subscribe. And, and usually there's some kind of promo there, um, that, that'll get you squared away. So we'd love to have everybody. And I've got so much fun stuff planned for when this season does start rolling out in the next month or two that, um, I do think it's a great time to subscribe. Including a trip to Sweden, I understand. Hey, from from your lips to Craig Custance's ears. <laughs> All right. Max Boltman for The Athletic. Thank you for joining us. I thought it was a great survey. I, I Again, I thought the questions were great and spot on, but I thought the responses that, that, that the subscribers had to choose from were what really what made it a, a, a must-read for anybody. Uh, thanks for spending so much time here on the Red and White Authority, and we'll talk to you very, very soon, Max. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me.